welcome to Three Little Things, a natural health podcast. We've created this space to help you positively navigate the world of holistic and natural well-being, where each week we will explore something new and dive into a diverse range of holistic health topics from all walks of life. As chiropractors, we are equally passionate about helping educate, share and empower you on your well-being journey. Created with you in mind, Three Little Things aims to bring you digestible topics and applicable tools and strategies to help you grow, thrive and live well. So let's dive in. Welcome back to the Three Little Things podcast. I'm Sarah and I'm joined as always with my co-host Lily and I'm actually really excited. We were just chatting off Michael or whatever you want to call this because we haven't done an episode ourselves without a guest in such a long time and that's exciting it's fun it's fun to jump back on the mic and talk about something we want to talk about not that we don't with our guests but to actually talk about um, or give a little insight into I guess our knowledge which is really cool so I think most of our listeners now Lily know that we are chiropractors um, and we both see pediatric patients as well within the demographic of families in our beautiful practice so We've had, and you'll speak to this, I'm sure, Lily, but we've had a lot of um, patients that we share with them about milestones and we talk through their baby's development with them. And we've had some beautiful patients ask some really wonderful questions and it prompted us to go, you know what, we need to have an episode on this. So what are we going to chat about today, Lily? And I guess, where did all of this kind of come from? Well, it's a bit like being at home without any guests around, Sarah. So it's going to be a bit of a um, no-holds-barred conversation because normally we have a guest on board, as you say, and we're on our best behaviour. So not that we won't be on our best behaviour, but sometimes something might fall out of my mouth. So we are going to talk about child-rearing up to a point, but really the chiropractic perspective and mm. the global picture as to why we see things the way we do, I'm going to speak for you and I, not yep. so much our profession, but um, why we look at it from a particular neuroscience standpoint and yep. how it all fits really in the child's not 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 to six months, but not years to a hundred years. Yeah. All right. So I've been a mother now for 33 years. I've been a Cairo for 40. I've, I've had my master's in pediatrics for um, over 20 years and I've done continuing education in neuroscience. And also being rather old, I've seen how methods have changed over time, all right? Mm. So the way I was brought up, even the way I brought up my children, and now today's little ones who who come and see us. Mm. So I feel we need to be quite versatile because the world back then is not the, the world today. No. But I do have a fundamental couple of um, philosophical points I, I will always live by, and that is... Um, there is more to us than us, mm. you know, and I feel that sometimes back in the past we had kids because we couldn't help but have them. There was no contraception. So we had a dozen, you know, mm. and maybe even before that we were trying to up our tribe numbers. So we were encouraged to have more and more children. So our tribes got bigger and bigger and bigger. Now as time went on, that was um, economically unsustainable. And today, as we know, our, our world is going through this global population burst. Mm. And we also have contraception. And also we're delaying yes. Yes, yeah. childbearing. We're babies right? later. Mm. Yeah. So now the whole picture shifts as to why we actually have children mm. in, in the first world anyway, in this mm. modern world. And as a result, child-rearing methods and philosophies have changed. Would you agree, Sarah? I would, yeah. And I guess I'm coming at it from the complete opposite spectrum to you, Lily. You have such a wealth of knowledge and experience both in motherhood and as a pediatric chiropractor, whereas I do not. Obviously, as a young practitioner, I love working with the peds population and I have done my own continual development. But 
um, yeah, I also don't have kids of my own. So I'm coming at it kind of all I know is the current world and the current situation with um, babies and development and the neuroscience and stuff. So, yeah, I think we're going to sort of intertwine them together. But, yeah, it absolutely has changed. Mm. Yeah. So, you know, as I said to you, um, our audience in our first episode, I am Chinese from Malaysia. And the way I grew up was actually quite different to the way um, kids grew up in Australia. And they were part of a I'm just going to fantasize it all because and romanticize it all, but we're part of a, a, a village, you know, and technically were we or not, well, we're part of a small community and everybody sort of had um, a role to play in it. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to tell a really awful story that I'll probably get docs onto me for, but um, not really. I mean, so when we were kids, it was kind of fun for the adults to to make kids cry in various ways because we were just little people, we weren't sort mm. of precious little demigods, you yes. know, so they would actually, and there was a reason behind this little game. They would make us cry by calling us, um, which literally translates as, oh, you're useless. You're, you're really useless. And they would watch us little kids, you know, sob our eyes out and cry and get all miserable. And then they would laugh and say, oh, they which means, oh, no, we're just joking. You know, you really are very useful. Yeah. Now that went straight into my amygdala. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Hippocampus. Now there's all this modern language to describe what's going on. But it was before my frontal lobe development. So it was yes. all under seven. Yes. So in my brain was already the sense of um, being useful. Yeah. You know, a human being had to be useful in some way, shape or form. Yeah. And we weren't meant to make a lot of trouble for other people. So once again, in my day, um, children were not so much um, seen and not heard, but they were not given a lot of you know kudos for being clever or mm. that was what you were meant to do. You know, mm. you were meant to bring home a hundred percent. You know, and the joke in my house was that um, if we had ninety seven, it was where did the three percent go? <laughs> so you see, the times have changed when. Adults had a bit more power. Mm. They could hit, can I tell you this? You mm. know, so getting a spanking on a regular basis was no big deal. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the older listeners will will remember in Australia even, um, kids having the cane. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But now these things are completely outlawed. Yeah. So now we have this little piece of unformed neurology that's born, you know, mm. and loved and desired with no frontal lobes, a whole bunch of brainstem um, responses, um, as you might speak to in a moment with primitive reflexes. Yeah. How do you train those primitive reflexes Mm. from becoming the dominant feature in someone's neurology? Yeah. So as we said in one of our previous episodes, um, in neuroscience hierarchical terms, the brainstem can be rather bossy, you know, with all the the Fs, you know, feed them, fight them, procreate with them. Yeah. So it's not till we grow our frontal lobes that we don't act out on those um, responses without any filters. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Mm. definitely. I agree to all of that. And I thought maybe we should go back one step. I I get a lot of questions from friends of mine, friends and friends of friends who are having babies now. I'm almost 27. So I'm kind of in that phase of life where people in my environment are starting to have babies. And the question I get a lot is what does a baby need a chiropractor for? So I want to yeah, kind of go one step back and explain that a little bit. So give me your take on that, Lily. What what does a baby need a chiropractor for? All right. So um, as all the adults know, it's all about regulation in our practice. You know, we want people to be the boss of their, their neurology. Um, we want them to have 
conscious thought and conscious processes, and we do it through making sure their bodies are working well. Yep. And we talk we talk about the word subluxation, which um, our patients who are patients would know what that's about, but it's basically nerve interference. Mm-hmm. So the, the brain and the body are meant to communicate clearly together. So feedback, feed forward, and that makes for a really good organism, you know, mm-hmm. that's as I said, regulated. So sympathetic nervous system, our patients have heard this, and parasympathetic, vagal tone. So essentially, we'd love babies to to begin life um, learning how to, you know, regulate, I guess. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Um, yes, that's exactly how I explain it to people. And I and often say, because they kind of follow it with, well, you know, babies don't have sore backs or sore necks. And there is so much more to the world of chiropractic and neuroscience and just the way we are within ourselves, so much more than just, you know, a sore point or anything. And I like to share with our patients and particularly the parents of little babies that we're seeing. Yeah. Like you said, our system has to work efficiently for us. And if it can work beautifully, then we can create really beautiful foundations. And that's a privilege to get to do that with the babies in our in our practice. So you may want to speak a little bit to the primitive reflexes, which essentially once again are survival mechanisms, yeah. you know. So yeah. and when they persist, and you can um, talk to us about that, when they persist, they take up too much room in neurology and they don't allow the um, the rest of our frontal lobes to, to develop, to, to be more dominating, you know. Yeah. So so perhaps you can share. Yeah, yeah. and we did do a, a nice big episode on some of the prims early on. So refer back, I think it was episode two or maybe three. It was really early on in the podcast. But yeah, our primitive reflexes, like Lily said, are a bunch of survival reflexes or survival mechanisms that are inbuilt into our neurology when we're born so that we can survive. And the obvious ones, a lot of people know, but it's how, or how I explain it is it's how baby finds mum most of the time. So it's how we get fed. It's how we, you know, all of those fun things, but you know, the obvious ones you might, um, if you're around a baby or you've had a baby around you, you might stroke their cheek and they might turn with a, a mouth opening to that side. Um, and that is that sort of rooting reflex, getting ready to find the breast so they can feed. So that's an obvious one. There's a beautiful one called the Galant reflex that has a flow on effect into childhood as well. But I explain it to my mums and my dads in practice. And it's how the baby actually assists and crawls out of the birth canal, which I just think is magic. Like it's really, really cool. So there's a bunch of really beautiful primitive reflexes that we need to have. And I think a lot of emphasis is placed on them integrating or them being retained. You might've heard that phrase before that a child might have a retained primitive reflex. For me, when I'm checking and for Lily as well, I speak for us, um, when we're checking babies, it's just as important that they're that they're there, that they're not absent, that we have a primitive reflex when it's meant to be there because it's serving a purpose. And then, like you said, Lily, those reflexes need to start to integrate so they're not retained so that we can start to create that higher functioning in our our brain, which allows us to go on and be functioning adults um, or functioning children. So yeah, go back and listen to that first episode that we did on primitive reflexes if you want really specific information on each of those reflexes and when they might be integrated. And I'm pretty sure we gave a few really fun examples of how kids can get involved cleaning the house to help their reflexes integrate as well. So can thank us later for that. And I might, I might even, I've got a really good table with some of the primitive reflexes and I might pop that into the show notes if people want to read it as well. But I guess milestones kind of come into that. The big milestones. Do we want to go there now, Lily? Well, just quickly with the chiropractic perspective, yeah. you know, why would you bring a child to a chiro? Yes. Well, these routine reflexes are designed to work both right and left. 
Yes. All right. So we see a lot of kids in here which demonstrate right or left, mm. um, you know, absent or hyper. And to us, that is a concern because already there's an asymmetry set up far too early in life. Yeah. You know? So let's say handedness, fantastic around 18 months, you know, footedness, whatever it is. But between naught and 18 months, really, mm. you know, let's get the Let's get both halves of the nervous system functioning. Yeah. And if left un- just on that, if left unnoticed or if maybe that isn't picked up, what, what might that mean for that child if there's sort of a, a dominant side really early on in their development? Yeah. So we can talk neuroscientifically or we can talk structurally. So mm-hmm. from both perspectives, you know, you're going to get this um, persistent asymmetry going through life. So down the line, we might see a scoliosis, might see a short leg, um, a hitched shoulder, a winged scapula, facial asymmetry. So there's all mm-hmm. kinds of really obvious structural Structural. asymmetries but then there's the functional ones you know so not just a kid tripping over all the time but different pathways in the brain not developing you know so there's a lot of pop neuroscience these days regarding oh left brain dominant right brain dominant creative mathematical blah 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 well you know you got to sell a magazine somehow I, I get that but it's pretty intricate you mm. know so you know yourself that we check for eye movements you know um, yeah. head tilt we work with various practitioners, as our audience also knows now. Uh, know now. So um, Carolyn McKilvin, who's a behavioral optometrist, Claire Wiseman, who's a speech path, mm-hmm. um, the Mayo Munchie for, for chewing. Yep. So there are a lot of things that we look for um, which are asymmetrical. And also we don't want to put other professions down, but if you're going to work both sides, that differential persists. Yep. You know, so if right is lower and, and left is higher. And we do both. You know, what do you expect? We're going to keep that in balance. Yeah. Yeah. So we like to do it. Well, what do we do? Do we bring down the hypo or do we bring up the hypo? This is also based on many findings within our own practice. Yeah. And individual to to Mm. a lot of our patients, Mm. right? We have that discussion a lot in practice when we're sharing cases. It's very case dependent and person dependent. And our our techniques are so gentle as our um, patients know that this Forget the whole cracking rubbish. Yeah. I don't know where that came from. Um, yeah. Debunk that myth, you know, because most of the time for me anyway, I give the parents things to do. Yes. You know, um, the stimulation for their feet or their arms. Palate work, intraoral chewing, all of that beautiful yeah, stuff. Yep. Yeah. Sacral padding, different holes we put them in. All that. Yep. So so we want the parents to do the work. You know, mm. I mean, I'm essentially very lazy, you know, so, but also I'm not with the, the kid 24-7. Yeah. And I think it's know? good for their bonding mm. and it's good for... Um, mums and bubs, dads and bubs, whoever's around grandparents to get involved as well um, to create those connections so they do get to understand their baby because Mm. conversation I have a lot, I'm sure you're the same, Lily, is that when a a woman gives birth, you know, we have to meet this new baby and and learn about the baby as the baby has to learn about you. So I I agree. It's good to give the parents a bunch of things to do. Mm. Yeah. Okay, cool. Straight away about the asymmetry. I mean, the word plagio carefully, once again, has become a magazine word, right? And once again, not putting any profession down, we don't really want them in helmets mm. because there's so many things you can do to a, a soft baby's cranium, yep. parents can do, to equalize the shape of the cranium. Mm. All right. So it's not a cosmetic thing in the end. It's actually a very functional, functional. thing. Yeah. You know, it, it gives us a whole bunch of clues. Why isn't the child turning to one side? Is the SCM muscle too tight on one side? Is there mm-hmm. a little swelling in it? Yeah. Something maybe happening with the cranial bones. Yep, yep. yep. So no, so there's a whole bunch of things that can help a child not get a, you know, let's say, plagio carefully. Mm. Yeah. So 
that's the kind of thing that we see a lot of and many times um, the parents can do the work for it. I mean, sometimes it needs our input. Mm. And once again, if that's the case, it's very gentle. Yeah. You know? yeah. And whenever we do a podcast on child rearing, I'm sure there will be the parent guilt trip. Yeah. All right? so, yep. so we're not going to discuss anything about how the baby came out because mm. I don't care how it came out, you know, whether it came out vaginally or abdominally, the baby's here. Yeah. You know, that's beautiful. I also don't care about breastfeeding. You know, yeah. you can do whatever you want to, to feed that child some calories. Yeah. I will though say that it's very easy to be more symmetrical with yeah. baby hold, which yeah. we'll come to in a moment. Um, when you're breastfeeding, mm -hmm. because simply said, you're going to use the right breast, left breast, right breast, left breast. So the baby gets to turn around just the mother's body. It just kind yeah. of happens functionally. Yeah. So here's um, a tip that most uh, bottle feeding parents should absorb, and that is feed your child on either side. Yeah. Very difficult if you're handed. Yeah. But number one, amazing for the baby. Yeah. 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 Mm. And that's the thing. Um, I completely agree with you, Lily. I don't care how the baby arrives here. I don't care how they're fed or what they're doing. Um, I think parents and families make the correct decisions for them and child. And I think that's the most important thing. Um, but there are absolutely ways around all of those little things that might create asymmetries or might create slight differences that we can definitely assess and assist with mm. um, both educationally and technique-wise with the chiropractic work that we're doing. So mm. there's so much, right? So baby hold, as we just um, touched on, yeah. burping the baby over your shoulder. Mm -hmm. I mean, how simple is that? Everybody burps a baby, okay? Yeah. Well, anyone who has a baby burps a baby. So <laughs> um, use either shoulder. Something that a lot of parents, when we ask them to do that, they go, Aha. Uh -huh. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I had that moment myself when I was um, burping my kids because being right-handed, they always went over my left shoulder because I was patting with my right hand. Yeah. It was a free hand. Okay. So I had to make myself um, burp the child over my right shoulder. And likewise, when they're old enough to sit on your hip. Yes. You know, which hip do we pop them on? Yeah. And most parents will have a favorite hip. Yeah. So. And a lot of the time it's because they can do things with their dominant hand then. So, Sometimes. you know, there are reasons and, mm. and we create these little habits for, you know, usually for a purpose. But mm. um, I think bring, bringing, being aware or bringing awareness to those things, people go, like you said, they go, oh, right. Of course. Like yeah. that makes so much sense. Of yeah. course I should do that. Yeah. Even I had a, some patients in practice this morning, some little kitties, you know, there was a, a baby and an older, a little bit of an older brother. And I just got the brother to play on either side as mm -hmm. I was assessing the child. Mm -hmm. So I could work on that symmetry and, and asymmetry. And that was an easy thing to then send the parents home with and say, you know, mm. make sure we're stimulating bub on either side. If we're yeah. doing tummy time, we're different in different positions. So we have new things to look for. We have new toy, like, you know, toys on different areas of our environment so we can gaze and, and you know, be curious about those things. Mm, mm. Um, so there's lots of little tweaks and tips that we yeah. can. And yeah. people who come to our practice will know that we're very interested in the extensive tone of babies. You know, mm. So we have various little tricks to get babies to have more extensive tones. So we all know about tummy time, for instance, but your Cairo should really show you how to use the Swiss ball yes. properly. So we're not going to describe it here because I don't want any babies landing on their heads and being sued for this episode. So um, let's have you call your local pediatric Cairo yep. and ask them, what's this Swiss ball thing they're talking about? Yeah. Because it's actually really um, well researched. It's to do with the vestibular system, our inner ear function, balance, mm. and so on. Eye movements, yep. outrageous, you know. So 
those are the kind of things that we see all the time. And not to six months is such a neuroplastic yeah, um, period. Age, yeah. yeah. So, and fun, you know, I mean, mm. hands on, busy, uncomfortable, tired, <laughs> but fun. Yeah. Yeah. Never forget that word. Yeah. Mm. So, it's, yeah, it's such an important time, such a great time. And yeah, we love being able to see babies during that time because, like you said, they are so neuroplastic. So, they, they change quickly and there's a bunch of things that we can do to help them. So, I guess that kind of brings us to that not to six time frame, like what's kind of happening in that not to not to six. And a question I get asked often is what milestones should I look for and when? So I thought we would just briefly go through a couple of the main ones. I did pull up, I just remembered as we started talking and I pulled it up on my laptop, a patient of mine said that she had a brochure that she got from the martyr. She birthed at the martyr and she got a brochure from them. And I've just pulled it up here. So I will um, attach it or link it um, for you. And it's actually, I'll just show you, Lily. It's a really cool little map. I mean, it looks beautiful, which is great, but it just gives you small, tiny little things that you might look for in each of the months or in a month, like a time period. And I just thought that was a really nice thing for parents to be sent home with from the martyr. So I'll link that for you. It's You can get it online if you just type in martyr milestones and it comes up. But um, for me, a couple of the big ones that I'm looking and assessing and, and monitoring, I guess, in practice with my patients is, and there's I'm by no means going to list all of them, but I like to make sure that they're rolling. Again, we're going back to that symmetry. I want them to roll both sides pretty equally, if not definitely equally. Um, and from front to back, obviously both ways as well. And I want to see that happening by about four months. Would you be the same, Lily? Mm, yep. Yeah. And also to be fair, um, don't wait. Yeah. Because people say, oh, they're not doing they're not it yet. yet. Yeah. I'm going, are you helping it? <laughs> yes. And that's the other thing. And yeah. We do a lot in practice of, you know, just a gentle assisting of that with that baby so they can learn how to do it. There's nothing wrong with that. No, and lots of bells and whistles when they do do yeah. it. You, know, you are their cheer team. Yeah. So give them some dopamine. Hey? Yeah. Yeah. Go, yeah. yay. You know, yeah. just, just go nuts. Yeah. You know, so yeah. Why wait? Why wait? Mm. Yeah. And babies will love to do that. You know, they love to get that same as what we were talking about with the Swiss ball, that vestibular input into their system is really beautiful. It lights up their brain. Um, and again, we're, we're all about laying beautiful neural connections and creating those beautiful neural pathways. So rolling is a fun one. I like to see that around or by about four months, if not, I guess on that, if your baby's not meeting some of these milestones does not necessarily mean anything is wrong. They might have a few asymmetries. They might have some interference in their system. They might be a little bit uncomfortable. There might just be something really minor that's stopping them from meeting some of these. And that's exactly where we come in too. Um, So we can check them, see what's going on and, and give you some wonderful tools to help. So just as a bit of a disclaimer on that, my next big one is sitting and most people are aware that they want babies to be sitting at a, by about six months. Now, again, I go with Lily, you know, you don't have to wait till six months on the dot. They might be ready a little bit before, or it might be just a little bit after, but definitely about, at about six months. And one of my big reasons that I like to see that is for, um, or when they're starting solids or foods, um, I like them to be able to be able to sit up. And most parents find that quite obvious when I say that, because we obviously want gravity to be working in their favor, but going from the mouth, obviously down through the esophagus into their stomach, it's nice knowing that they have that core stability and trunkal stability to be able to sit and then deal with that beautiful yeah, digestive tract and system that is going to be working a little bit differently for them once they start with foods and solids. So six months is nice. And then the next fun one is usually the crawling. And I think this is one of the yeah, it's a, it's a fun milestone for them. Parents love and hate this because it means you can't quite put your baby down and leave them, you know, and know that they're not going to crawl away. They start crawling and getting up to a little bit of mischief. But 
This one's a little bit variable and Lily and I were chatting about it before, but I like to see it between that or around sort of seven to eight months or between six and eight months really. Um, and you probably find that bub will go from sitting to sort of that more tripod or with that tripod stance with their hands out in front to give them some stability. And from there, they might just kind of progress into crawling. So there tends to be a bit of crossover from, from my experience anyway with those two. And it's fun, right? Because they get onto their hands, they'll start rocking, they'll start getting their knees underneath them. They start this really cool little rocking forward and back kind of motion as if they're getting ready to start a race. And then all of a sudden they're off crawling. And funnily enough, you know, the arm strength and the knee strength, they are not going to be in tandem until the child face plants a few times. Yep. Okay, so that's always quite <laughs> upsetting for the parents to see when they just lurch forward and lay on their face. But a child will only do that, I promise you, two to three Twice. times <laughs> yeah. max. And then the other thing that happens too is that they, they realise they can push with their hands quite well. So you'll often find your your child going backwards to great frustration. Yeah. So I remember one day when I walked into um, our living room and I could hear my child, but I didn't know where he was. And he had actually pushed himself backwards until he was underneath the table behind the um, tablecloth and he oh. and he was in this little tent of his own and he was just sobbing because he's like, I'm going backwards. Oh. I'm in a tent now. So anyway, there are all these kind of weird little things that will happen with your child, which you'll remember one day and bring out at their 16th birthday party to embarrass yeah. them, Yeah, um, which I have not done, of course. <laughs> Never. <laughs> and on the um, crawling thing, um, symmetry. We mm. like symmetry. Two hands, two knees on the ground. Yes. Not always achievable. And sometimes we're going to have to let that whole thing go. But if we can help them have two knees, two hands, we would like to. Yeah. Because once again, it's because one area is tighter than the other or looser than it should be, mm. you know, whatever the case may be, or one joint is not um, in its best space. Yep. So they're the kind of things that may take you to your Cairo as well because um, he, she, is, they, is, mm. um, is crawling. However, not quite comfortably. Yeah. Mm. And a question back at you for that, Lily. Mm. Um We've, we all know them. We've all had patients or friends or family who say, oh, well, I never crawled and I turned out fine. Mm, okay. Can you touch on that? All right. Well, I didn't crawl and I didn't turn out fine. Another <laughs> story for another, you know, four episodes. But um, our daughter, we were at a seminar in Noosa. Amy was, um, sorry, Amy, eight months old. And she wasn't crawling. She was just about to bum shuffle. And I thought, oh, we can't have a kid bum shuffling because I did that. <laughs> Um, so we were at a seminar, luckily enough, it was a pediatric seminar, SOT pediatric seminar. And I asked a guy who was the presenter to just check her out. So she was bum shuffling, not going anywhere real soon, checked her out, very gently did nothing that I could see that he did, put her down. Crawled. Crawled. Crawled away from me and never came home. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But you know, that's the thing for me being a Cairo, I just thought, wow, this shit actually works. Yeah. It was pretty um, stunning for me to see how she was subluxated. I couldn't pick it, nor could Anthony. Yeah. And someone else just went, right, this is what it is. Very gentle, didn't see what it was. Mm. Off she went, crawled there and then. Yeah. And that's the mm. thing for me, and I keep this in my mind always, and I think you probably taught me this, Lily, when I'm treating patients, but in this case, talking about pediatrics, like it does work and mm. it definitely works. And sometimes the body just needs a little bit of stimulus and away it goes. And with babies, 
they can't filter that yet, right? They can't lie to you and say, yeah, I think it worked or maybe it's a little bit better. <laughs> They're going to show you straight away. Yeah. And that's the cool thing. I love working with babies yeah. because it is when you get it, it, it just works. And with that story with Imi, mm. it's a classic, you know, she was subluxated. She was uncomfortable. Yeah. She wasn't well positioned to be able to do that function or to be able to perform that function. Bang. All of a sudden mm. there's that function. Yeah. You know, it's ingrained in our neurology or it was at that point in her life to be able to do that movement. And when there is no interference, we can we can do them beautifully yeah well i mean as you know we all whoever has cats cats and dogs and you know little animals um you can train them because they're yeah. just yeah not yeah. that we want to sort of make kids cats and dogs but you know <laughs> what i mean yeah all right so there are a couple of other things i want to cover but i'm going to just bring in our triad of health while we're here please because there are a couple of things that you might mention sarah on the triad so the triad is a not a Chinese gang, but um, the triad of health. Well, it probably is. Actually, it is. <laughs> All right. Um, digress. It's actually three parts of our health that we use as a model to explain a lot of things to our parents because when people come in and we're discussing structure, everyone's really, really happy. Just go, oh, you're a chiro. Clearly, your body work is, is all about structure and nerves and so on. But coming with that structure is biochemistry, mm -hmm. all right? So we really insist on people having good biochemistry. And you might want to talk to that, Sarah, regarding mm -hmm. first foods and the episode we had. So how we feed our child, what we feed our child, that matters to their neurology. We yeah. know so much research now regarding um, gut health, the microbiome, inflammatory foods. So we are looking at people surviving to the hundred these mm. days, you know, and that liver needs to last a distance, those kidneys, the gut, there aren't many replacement parts for, for those organs. Mm -hmm. So let's look after them from a young age. And the final thing I will mention is um, our mental, emotional, and dare I say spiritual um, part of the triad, okay? So we did a really cool episode with Matt, who's Amy's um, fiance. He has a PhD in psychology. And his thesis was actually on dying. So this is not depressing, guys. It's just a, th a fact. And his episode was called, um, no, his thesis was called Transdiagnostic Foundations in Clinical Anxiety, Death, Attachment and Evolution. Mm. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So it's a mouthful. <laughs> yeah. But um, really in the end, it's about love. Yeah. All right. And attachment. Mm -hmm. And so going back to this full circle discussion, when I grew up, we weren't just attached to our parents mm. or our immediate family. We called our whole so-called village auntie and uncle, and we had to respect everybody besides our parents, yeah. and they could also discipline us. Mm. By the same token, they could also feed us and love us. We felt really connected. You know, I felt, I never felt lonely. In fact, I felt overwhelmed by too many people um, to this day, and I felt safe. Mm. All right. So I am trying to put it out there to our young families that you don't have to have your immediate mum and dad around, grandma, grandpa, aunts, uncles, yeah. cousins. You can actually make a community of people yeah. around. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I completely agree. And I think that's the cool thing with a lot of mothers groups that are now set up through hospitals and things like that or community groups which is great because you do get that connection and you can sort of share stories and the kids get to grow up together. But I completely agree. I think a village is a village. We've all heard that saying, mm. it takes a village to raise a child. Um, I like the one too, it takes a village to raise a mother. I've heard that more recently And to stay well. married. Yeah, for everything, right? Like I think the, it all becomes about baby, but it is really, and it taps back to the triad, it is all about 
you know, the, the unit as a family, the community as a whole, and we can kind of expand that globally. Um, on the biochemistry stuff, absolutely. I think it's super important. I think when we hear biochemistry, we the first thing we might think of is food. I think that's, you know, what we're putting into our body. Biochemistry kind of covers all of those bases. So what we're eating and drinking, the inflammation of our environment as well, and what might be influencing our internal structure. So there are things like toxic products and um, other inflammatory based things in our environment that we might not be ingesting, but can also contribute to biochemistry. But to keep it simple, we'll, we'll touch mainly on food. And we did a beautiful episode again, relatively early in season one with our nutritionist, Charity King. She practices here in Freshwater and she gave us a full episode on baby's first foods. And it was a really wonderful episode that kind of went quite, quite deep and quite specific on a bunch of different things, but it gave some wonderful advice and it gave some wonderful areas to look into what sort of foods to start with, what varieties we talked about allergies and how that can play a part in the foods that we're giving our children. And Lily, we talked about it before, but also the timing of these certain foods. So um, definitely jump back and listen to that episode because that can be, or that is a really helpful resource to start exploring that idea of first foods. Yeah. So I, I might link day that. Too, wasn't yeah, yeah. I might what, link that yeah. in the show notes so mm. people can just select it because it was quite a while ago. So you'll have to scroll back through the episodes, but biochemistry is a big one, um, both for what we're putting into baby. Uh, and if we are breastfeeding prior to that, what we're also putting into mum as well is super important mm. um, because we know that obviously that will flow through breast milk too. Mm. This wouldn't be complete if we didn't have some discussion on parent health because we've been so baby focused, yes. you know. And one thing that we see in the practice a lot is um, parental fatigue. Yep. All right. So that's a whole new discussion, which we won't go into here, but they're the kind of things you can speak to your Cairo about. And once again, it's going to be a little bit philosophical rather than physiological because now we're finding our parents, um, they're in their 30s now, okay? Once upon a time, they were in their teens. So the fatigue factor is quite an issue. Mm and warrants individual individual discussion. Yeah, right? definitely. So we probably won't go into it hugely, um, except to say that there are some things called boundaries. They can be grey or they can be black and white, but I'm not into a parent suffering no. on behalf of their little baby. You yeah. know? So yes, we know this precious little being is going to be here and we're going to love it to you know the moon and back. But an older woman in my practice taught me, now I'm that older woman, taught me a little lesson once upon a time when I was exhausted one day at practice. And she said, dear, um, don't get into the burnt chop syndrome. And I and I thought, oh, thank you, Kath. And that means, and she said, don't eat the burnt chop on the barbecue. Mm. You know, that's the last chop that you've cooked and everybody else is fed and you've got the burnt chop. I thought, thank you, Kath. Yeah. And I suppose that's in a nutshell what I want parents to remember, that because of their own love for each other, they brought this baby into the world. Mm. And it's really important that the child has some respect for that yeah. going forward, all right? Yep. And I'm going to break up the word no here. Mm -hmm. It's rarely, rarely used. And if it's used, it's used incorrectly or in desperation. So, you know, we need to find ways of helping this this kid um, be useful, mm -hmm. uh, live within boundaries, don't cause a mess in society, you know, harming other people's no-go zone. Yeah. And we can do it with looks. We can have a raised eyebrow. We can have a frown. We can have a different tone of voice. There are all kinds of ways of doing um, a boundary setting exercise. Mm. 
without having to be cruel, you know, yep. or mean. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Kind of in discussion with all of that, I had another example. I had a patient um, in practice and she had she got a sore shoulder, you know, very mechanical. Um, she brought her son with her. Her son's probably seven, eight. And he told me everything about his mum's shoulder and how <laughs> it was uncomfortable for her to do this and how he likes to help her do this and how he likes to put his hand over it and say nice things to her shoulder so it feels better. And I applauded that mother so much because she wasn't hiding the fact she was in pain and she was struggling and suffering and couldn't do certain things at home, like, for example, opening a jar, like basic things, right? Mm. And so she was helping teach her child that that's okay mm-hmm. and that, that sort of stuff happens in life, but there is help and a way forward. And, and, you know, it was just a really nice moment to go. She's really teaching her child how to be respectful at the moment, how to understand other people's circumstance and other people's boundaries and restrictions and all these different things. And in turn, he was then helping her back. And I just thought it was really beautiful. And it kind of, for me, pulled together what you were just saying about, yeah, we can put all the focus and energy into baby, but if we, if we neglect mum or we neglect dad, baby's also going to suffer. So mm. we have to we have to care for all, you know. The aeroplane story or example is the first one is a classic. Put your own oxygen mask on before mm. you put babies on mm. because you're no help to anyone if if you're yeah. suffering that much as well. So it yeah, it's both sides of the, yeah, one the, the coin. Um, I mean, sorry, my Chinese is going nuts because I'm doing Duolingo in Spanish as well. So <laughs> anyway, I want to say you're really useful, little child. Yes, yeah, yes, not your useless mm. from before. Yes, yeah. So down the line, we might sort of um, reference um, how this makes a difference into their school years because how we have a lot of patients who are who are teachers in our practice, mm-hmm. right? And your sister's a teacher. Yep. And we hear a lot of stories firsthand about. Um, mm, the challenges of teaching. Yeah. And really, in the end, by the time your child goes to school into a big wide world, um, you want to help that child fit into some kind of society norm. Okay. Yeah. So I'm not going to talk about neurodivergence here because yeah. it's a whole new other story. But by the time a child's 14, it's going to be really difficult to shift some habits, you know, mm. not that nothing is impossible. I mean, I'm 63. I'm still going, aha, why did I do that? I'm going to shift that habit. But it's kind of nice if the child goes into a classroom at least a little bit more easily. Yeah. A little yeah. bit more regulated. Mm. Yeah, I agree. So that's for another discussion. And while we're quickly here, I'm going to spruik Sarah's website because <laughs> um, when we make babies, um, we make them through our own chemistry. Mm. You know, we, we melt down ourselves, we put them into our eggs, we put them into our sperm and we make a baby. Mm-hmm. So how we make the baby um, is really important because it's based on our nutrition. So no parent guilt here because none of us knew this, you know, years ago, but we're starting to find out now. now yeah. So maybe on Sarah's website, you can tell us where, what it is. I mean, you do discuss things like mm. that, you know, as well as um, you're a sports chiro. So we know that you know a lot about high performance um, um, chiropractic as well, not just, um, you know, getting out of bed in the morning. So I'll put that to you regarding what you think we should um, listen to or read about. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. My website is just www.sarahlaws.com.au and I will link it in the show notes. But yeah, like you said, Lily, I'm just really passionate about putting all my passions in one and, you know, I, I have my sports input. I have my reproductive women's health input, um, which also expands to men's health and fertility and reproductive medicine. It all comes down for me to just building healthy people, healthy, happy, thriving people and helping people be well, whatever that looks like and feels like for them. And if that's the journey of having a baby or if that's the journey of elite sports, 
you know, sports world in the sports world or whatever that is for them. Um, that's yeah, what I want to help people do, but absolutely. It comes down to the two cells that we, you know, have to create a baby and how healthy and well and nourished those cells are. So it, absolutely starts with us um, as individual beings and and then it kind of goes on from there. So yeah, I'll share my um, website. I do have a weekly email that I send out every week and on all of this sort of stuff, you know, from pediatrics and babies to pre and postnatal to men's and women's hormonal health to sportsmanship to nervous system. It's going to be quite diverse, but you know, hopefully there'll be something in there for everyone. She's a busy gal. (laughs) Um, So today we've given you some um, some detail, but a lot of broad brush strokes because I'm very aware that you know, having been a parent of a young child myself, it is very easy to get overwhelmed and then suddenly full of remorse. You know, um, so we want this to be a very positive thing, and I feel that if you now know a little bit more about what chiros do with babies and why perhaps you could ring up your local pediatric chiro and we can give you a list of people there's a directory of people i know who are um, called advanced pediatric chiros um that's a title i'm allowed to use and we have a directory of these people all around australia you know so do let us know if you need someone who 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 can work with you and your baby yeah and also do let us know if you want to hear any more specifics because we're happy to do specifics um going going forward Mm -hmm. yeah yeah definitely Mm. in the show notes i'll pop a link to the contact information for our clinic as well so that if people do have trouble finding anyone and they're not in our area please give us a call um we'll let our front desk staff know too so that we can Mm. put you in touch with someone in your area who is, yeah, like Lily said, an expert in this field as well. And our little things. I, you know what? I was just thinking that and I thought we didn't talk about this, did we? Yeah, you didn't, you didn't, you didn't think about it. <laughs> I did not think about this. Well, I've got one. Okay. All right. I want to say really enjoy the first, um, I'm going to say 10 years, all right, mm. but break it down into the first two weeks, the first six weeks, yeah, the first two months. Yeah. No, six months. Enjoy every darn moment. Yeah. Because within it, there's so much joy. Mm. It is tiring. Mm. You know, you're not going to feel great. You're going to feel like rubbish most of the time. If I was in my pajamas at 11, I would feel really crap, you know. So I went back to work at eight weeks. <laughs> That's an admission. So I want to say really enjoy every moment. And if it's really hard, straight away, pick that phone up, send a text. Ask for help. Ask for help. Yeah. Mm. I like that saying. It's like the days are long, but the years are short. Mm-hmm, lovely. Um, yeah. Because again, yeah, of course it is tiring and it's hard mm. and there are moments, but yeah, you've got to enjoy all the moments, right? Mm. Yeah. Number two, what am I going to choose? I think nourishing ourselves is going to be my number two. So whatever aspect of that kind of falls into, whether it's prenatally or, you know, um, pre-baby or when you've got a, a newborn and they're screaming, making time to nourish yourself as well. Mm. And I sometimes feel this is the opposite from the first one I said, but sometimes I feel it's important to have a very long lens on life. Mm. You know, imagine yourself in a rocking chair when you're 80 and casting your mind back on on all those moments, you know, yeah. and, and the children you have or had because, you know, there will be tragedies. I mean, let's not, mm. you know, we, we can't run away from that fact. And... Did we did we have a good time? Like, mm. did we um, enjoy making a family? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that. Yeah. So that kind of wraps our episode. It was so fun to come back onto the mic and talk, just you and I. I love having all of our guests, but it is nice to sort of speak 
with some stuff that we get to see every single day, which is cool. Mm. And we've got some good guests coming up. We've got we a, do. a lovely um, colleague who's going to talk about um, exactly um, cranial function and yeah. carefully and how to correct it in a very gentle, um, non-invasive way. Yeah, amazing. Mm. And somebody else with um, a child who had a stroke recovered. Yep, another story. Boy, he's now 16 and he's yeah. just... You know, breaking records. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to chat a little bit too about preconception care. Mm. We're going to do an episode. I'm going to have a friend on and we're going to chat about that. Yeah. If you have anything else specific, please do let us know because we would love to create some episodes for you guys, our listeners. Wonderful. All right. Well, Lily, let's go have a surf. (laughs) (laughs) A quick disclaimer these episodes are not intended to replace help, treatment, or advice from your healthcare professionals. The information in today's podcast is purely for educational purposes and is not designed to diagnose or treat any conditions. This is just a friendly reminder that we do not know you or your child or those around you and therefore do not know your specific needs. Please seek guidance from your healthcare professionals surrounding your concerns.